Hello, I'm Chris and I'm your host for today. And today I just want to ask the question, where is your fruit? We're going to be talking about the fruit of the spirit today. And they are love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. What does the Bible say about these things and what do they lead to and what are they a bigger part of? We will start with the first fruit. For without this fruit, you have no place in heaven. The very first thing to know is to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy might, all thy strength, and to love thy neighbor as thyself. 1 Corinthians 13 says, Though I speak with tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clinging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. For love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own. It's not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know as I am known. Now abide faith, hope, love. These three, but the greatest of these is love. Pursue love. Even Colossians 3.14 tells us above all things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son in the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Perfection is anyone who would send their one and only son to pay for something he had nothing to do with. He is perfect, but not only was the sender perfect, but the one he sent was perfect. What a love we have in God. So understand what love is. Love is something you give away, regardless of what you receive in return. Love is not predicated on what he found in you, but what he established for you. Not even your enemies can escape the clutches of love, but some people you just have to love from a distance. Love isn't foolish or blind, and even though it was made for man, it was not made for sin. For sin is the only thing that is rejected by love, not the person, but the sin. I don't care who you are, where you've been, what you did, or how you live. The one thing that every heart longs for is to be loved. There is no medium in love. Either you love or you don't. It's the one thing that can't be fake. The truth will come out eventually, either in actions or in words. The second is joy. Let the joy of the Lord be your strength. In fact, James 1, 2 says, Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Jesus says, Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. Joy is unspeakable, unmatched. Man didn't give it, nor can he take it away. Joy comes in layers. No matter how much you peel off, there is still yet more where that came from. Joy is not predicated on how you feel or how people feel about you it's not limited to a mishaps or what a loved one says 
to you. Joy is the one thing that people don't understand. They say, how can you be going through and still be happy? How can things be going so wrong in your life, but they appear to be going so right? The joy of the Lord make it rich and adds no sorrow with it. It can't be measured or weighed. It is not only felt and expressed. You can't take joy away. It's contagious. People will ask you, why are you always happy and in a good mood? And before long, they are in a good mood. Joy changes the atmosphere. Even the grouchy people either join in or get out of your presence. Joy is often coupled to peace, which is the third fruit. So let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body. And be thankful. The fruit of peace calms the raging waters and causes a quietness and a stillness to come about you when trouble rages. For Jesus said, peace be still, and the winds cease, and there was a great calm. We need to understand the power of peace. For Proverbs 16, 7 says, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies be at peace with him. It's the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. We cannot comprehend his peace. Isaiah 55, 12 through 13 says, you shall go out with joy and be led out with peace and the mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing before you and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands instead of a thorn shall come up the cypress tree and instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree instead of pricky things coming up god will cause a tree of life to come forth god's peace brings forth life more abundantly you cannot have a lot of things but the peace of god is a virtue to gain peace is a for sure thing that everyone wants the poor want it the rich long for it the middle class can't live without it it's priceless it is the bridge over troubled waters instead of tears of sorrow there will be tears of joy peace finds its way in the midst of obscurity when you learn to cast your cares on him peace will arrive james 3:18 says the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace proverbs said those who promote peace have joy know that the promotion of peace is joy first peter tells us to seek peace and pursue it and the peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness even when the Lord takes pleasure in your ways, he will cause your enemies to be at peace with you. He is the prince of peace. That's why peace abides in you when your mind is stayed on him. You can be told to do a thing that you have never done before. And in normal circumstances, you probably wouldn't do it. But the peace that is on you enables you to do it. That's the peace of God. When we deal with people, we must have long suffering or patience, which is number four. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. You see, he came in the world through the womb, but not subject to the flesh. Yes, he learned obedience through the things that he suffered, but he was not subject to what we suffer. His patience is unlike anything you can imagine. Think about all the things you did wrong from as far back as you can remember until now. Now multiply that by how many days you've been on earth and tell me, is he patient? We should count the patience of our Lord as salvation. James 5.10 says, Take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. The Lord knows the thoughts that he thinks towards you, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. He has never stopped loving you. He has never left or forsaken you in all your wrongdoings. His 
patience prevails. So be patient until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. In other words, be patient. With thanksgiving, make your request known. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. How can you effectively be a husband or a wife without patience? How can you be a parent without long-suffering? Because your children can take you through more than you can imagine, and your spouse is able to add more to you than you know. Patience is a virtue. And number five is gentleness. In all that God has told us to do, he tells us to be gentle concerning his affairs. In Philippians 3, 5, he says, let your gentleness be known to all men. Throughout all of scripture, I saw Jesus appear not to be gentle one time. And it was when he had went into the temple of God and cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables and the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves and said, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. I know what people are doing in the house of God and it would not be so. They were doing it before Jesus came in and overturned their tables and chairs and they may be doing it now, but just like then they won't get away with it. Something will be said and done. Jesus is saying, this is my house. I come here to teach what no one else can. I am the one who opens blinded eyes. I am the one that causes the lame to walk. I am the one that healed the leprous people. I am the one that went up the street and behold, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And when I saw her, I had compassion on her and said, do not weep. Then I touched the open coffin and those who carried him stood still. And I said, arise. And I presented him to his mother alive. I am the one who went on the other side of the sea and was met by a man with an unclean spirit who was in the tombs day and night, crying out and cutting himself with stones. He couldn't be bound for he would break the chains and the shackles to pieces. He couldn't be tamed. But when he saw me from afar, he ran and worshiped me because of the gentleness that I am. I didn't seek to bind him as men did, but I sought to loose him from bondage. He saw something in me that he had not seen in any other man. He knew nothing of me, for I was not among him, nor did anyone tell him about me. But to you, I come often doing all that my father has given me to do. But this man had a legion in him and the legion I could cast out. But the mindset that you have in you has to be renewed. You don't respect what I do, nor do you fear who I am. So get out and because I love you, I won't curse you, but I'll continue to rain on you as I do the just. But one day the rain will be cut off from you where you will become dry and desolate and uninhabitable place. But while there is still yet life in you, I am gentle and full of compassion. I may cast you out of a place, but I will never cast myself out of your reach. I am always here for you. I wish that none would perish without me and throughout all you have gone through. I have always been here. Come to me. No matter what you have done, didn't do, or been through, I am here. I am enough, and my grace is sufficient for you. On Jesus' way out the city, there was a man that knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to gain eternal life? Then Jesus asked him a question. Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. And Jesus said to him, You know the commandments. And he said to Jesus, 
I kept all those from my youth. Then Jesus said to him, one thing you lack. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. And the man went away sorrowful and sad because he had great possessions. And number six is goodness. But what Jesus simply said is do what I am doing. This is the goodness that I exemplify. I own it all. The earth is mine and the fullness thereof. But I give it to every one of you just to follow the instructions of the father. This is the goodness that is acceptable. is the acceptable goodness it is measured by what you do for people but is seen in your obedience to God for the man called Jesus good by what he had saw Jesus do and my question is what do people see you do is goodness exemplified in your words and your actions Psalms 46 says God is our refuge and strength our very present help in trouble therefore we will not fear even though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea though the mountains shake with it There is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God. What is goodness? It is integrity, it is honesty, it is uprightness, it is morality. It is the character and conduct of a man. Faithfulness is number seven. Now, faith is believing in something that you can't physically see. It's believing without doubt. It's saying, it's staying true and holding fast to a thing, knowing no matter what what it looks like right now, it's going to happen. But here we are talking about faithfulness. Every man has a measure of faith, but being faithful is a fruit to be attained through the spirit. And it takes the spirit to not only be faithful to something you have never been faithful to before, but to remain faithful in your endeavors towards the Lord. Proverbs 28:20 says a faithful man will abound with blessings. In Luke 16, Jesus says he who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in unrighteous mammon, who will come Commit to your trust the true riches. And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? This is the example of Jesus. He was faithful to those the Father had given him charge over. So God has given him all. Jesus is so faithful. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. In Luke 12 42, the Lord says, Who then is that faithful and wise steward whom his master will make ruler over his household to give them their? portion of food in due season blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes truly i say to you he will make him ruler over all he has this is the word for the parents and the leaders should adhere to be a good steward over what god entrusts you with because he wants to give you more but he needs you to remain faithful in the little that you have. Abraham was faithful with Isaac. Isaac was faithful with Jacob. And the multitude of the children of Israel came forth. Being faithful brings promotion. We have to be as God is. And even though we are tempted, temptation cannot overtake us because God is faithful and he will not let us be tempted beyond our ability. But with the temptation, he will provide a way of escape that we may be able to endure it. It's up to us to take the escape route that has been given. 
He remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. And aid is kindness. And the kindness is a way of conduct to act towards everyone. Titus 3, 4 through 7 says, When the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So eternal life is giving out of kindness and love, and it's not by works, but through the Holy Spirit that he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus. Isaiah 54, 8 through 10 says, With a little wrath I hid my face from you for a moment, but with everlasting kindness I will have mercy on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. For this is like the waters of no to me for as I have sworn that the waters of Noah would no longer cover the earth so I have sworn that I would no longer be angry with you nor rebuke you for the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed but my kindness shall not depart from you nor shall my covenant of peace be removed says the Lord who has mercy on you his kindness and his covenant of peace means he will not show partiality towards a people who all have a chance to come to him so he spares us showing love and kindness giving peace so that we would know that he is with us he is not interested in us going to hell he wishes that we all will come to repentance that's why he is with us always david said lord you have searched me and known me you know my sitting down my rising up you understand my thoughts so far off you comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways for there is not a word on my tongue but behold O lord you know it all together you have hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me such knowledge is too wonderful for me it is high i cannot attain it where can i go from your spirit or where can i flee from your presence if i ascend into heaven you are there if i make my bed in hell behold you are there if i take the wing of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea even there your hand shall lead me if i say surely the darkness shall fall on me even the night shall be a light about me indeed the darkness shall not hide from you but the night shines as the day the darkness and the light are both alike to you you formed my inner parts you covered me in my mother's womb my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth your eyes saw my substance how precious also are your thoughts to me oh God how great is the sum of them if I should count them they would be more than the number than the sand for when I awake, I am still with you. It's your kindness and consideration that I can't be without. God, you have stretched farther than my comprehension. And nine is self-control. And a man without it is like a city broken into and left without walls. Second Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And a sound mind of self-control. For do you not know that those who run a race all run but one 
one receives the prize, run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate, which means they have self-control in all things. Now, they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we do it to obtain an imperishable crown. Therefore, I run not with uncertainty. Thus, I fight not against one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. This is not a game. As I give the word, I am first partaker of it. James 3 says, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment, for we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble... In the word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. Look also at the ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defines the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and it's set on fire by hell. No man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless God and we curse men. But fruit spiritually enables us to tame such an unruly member of the body. We are forced driven by the spirit. So without the Holy Spirit, we are driven by thoughts, feelings, and flesh. But the Holy Spirit has a power that overrides flesh. As long as we stay in a submissive relationship with God, that is how we can control the tongue because the tongue will get you in more trouble than you can get out of. And I just want to say that this word here that I just delivered unto you, I want you to take it. I want you to eat it. I want you to process it because God has greater to do with you. He wants to take the fruit of your spirit to another level. And next week, I'm going to come to you and I'm going to I'm going to talk about not the fruit of the spirit, but I'm going to talk about the gifts of the spirit. And then I'm going to continue on with this process because there is a three parts to it. And God is going to reveal to us what we need to know, how we need to grow and where we need to go. Thank you for tuning in. Y'all have a blessed day.